All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. You're listening to The Jason Greger Show presented by PlayAlberta.ca, your digital home for online gaming excitement, including casino, live dealer, lottery instance, and sport betting. Sign up today at PlayAlberta.ca. The uh, orders have won uh, three in a row. Now they're going to Winnipeg and, uh, you know, another tough test. Uh, no question, but the orders, uh, even without their, their most consistent forward, uh, Zach Hyman, uh, all the replacements, uh, on the fourth line, the first line, the first unit power play, Kane, Yanmark, and Gagne, uh, all contribute. And really, I thought for the majority of that game, Edmonton was clearly the superior team. Oh, yeah, I agree with you 100% in that assessment. I like the point you made about Hyman goes out of the lineup and it was next man up, right? Yanmark went into the top six, gave him solid minutes, scored a goal. Sam Gagne draws into the lineup and I really like the look of him, Ernie and Hamlin together. They score a goal. It was a really, really solid effort from the Oilers and you know, not not to be a homer or whatever, but I also think there was an element of them battling the officials a little bit last night. I felt like there were a handful of moments, especially late in the third. McDavid has the stick ripped out of his hands, no call. Like Edmonton wins that game 4-2 or maybe even by more than 4-2 in regulation if they get a couple of calls in that game. So I like the effort from Edmonton. Yeah, overall, now they got to build on it, uh, no question. Um, you know, and hey, when when a team's going, not every individual is going to be going. We saw earlier in the year there were very few individuals going, and that's why they lost. Now, uh, the majority of them are going. McDavid's obviously back on another planet. Um, Kane, Hyman have been pretty good all year long. I think the defense core, like, uh, people don't talk about it. Darnell Nurse here in the last eight games has been outstanding. Vinny DeHarnay's been really good. You know, Evan Bouchard, well, I haven't seen a glaring error from Evan Bouchard uh, recently. I think their defense core has really tightened up. The back pressure from the forwards, five on five, has been 
infinitely uh, more consistent. And last night, really, Tyler, was the first time I saw Ryan McLeod's offensive slump bleed into his defensive game, specifically in the third period, where all of a sudden he's making plays with a puck that shows a guy who doesn't have confidence. And really, up until that point, I know he hadn't scored, but every other element of his game, like his his line mates were usually tilting the ice in the other team's zone more often than not, they, they couldn't finish, obviously, but that's the thing I'll watch for against Winnipeg is McLeod can't let the d- offensive frustration or lack of confidence bleed into the other end of the ice. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Like, yes, he's pushing the river to steal the low deadline in the right direction for the most part, right? Through 21, 22 games. Like, I think part of the reason why, I mean, there's other things at play, but part of the reason why you haven't heard like, ah, they got to scratch this guy or whatever is because at least bad things weren't happening when Ryan McLeod was on the ice. Um, I'm getting growingly frustrated with his lack of offensive production. I think it's great to sit there and say, yeah, they're getting a lot of shot attempts and they're in the zone and all of that. But at some point, like, it's not like this has been happening for two or three games. It's 22 games of him being this team's third-line center and not scoring a goal. Like, at some point, you need to expect offensive production and just generating the chances isn't good enough. And if it's going to start bleeding into his his defensive game and he's going to make costly errors like he did last night, then it's at the point where, okay, great. When you were on the ice, the Oilers outshot the opposition 7-3. to But if you do that every night and you're getting outscored 1 or 2 nothing at the same time, then... It doesn't matter. All the analytics in the world, you can throw them out the window as far as I'm concerned. I'm usually a guy who digs those numbers. You throw them out the window if he doesn't start outscoring the opposition more consistently. And here's the thing about McLeod. Is there, oh, yeah, but Ryan McLeod is actually shooting less per 60 this year than he was last year. He's 5.89. He's 5.55. He had 78 shots in 57 games last year. He has 29 shots in 21 games. The one thing that I've read, McLeod's actually, and him and I talked about it, and I, I respect Ryan McLeod because we'll have an open conversation about it. He's missed the net on some of his best chances. And, you know, he admitted, hey, when you're fighting it, now you're like, oh, my God, I got to pick the corner. And he's like, I just need to put the puck on net. And, uh, you know, some will squeak through. Or more importantly, maybe you get a rebound and someone else bangs one home, right? And sometimes you can build confidence off that. But I think he's actually missed the net on some of his best chances. He actually has been in better high-danger chances more often. I think that's valid. But he's actually not shooting more, and he's actually missing the net significantly more. Yeah, I kept. I made the joke a couple of weeks ago. Like he might as well be playing with his stick upside down some nights because he just doesn't shoot the puck. And again, it's great that he flies down the wing, and then you know at the last second he tries to cut to the front of the net or whatever. But again, if you're not scoring and then eventually not converting on those chances, it's for the large part just empty calories. So I, I think he needs to do more. I think what you said about maybe his confidence being a little shook. Remember there was that play last game or last night when. Him and Fogel had like this great rush, right? And then McLeod, it went a little too far. He had to catch up to it. And then when he caught up to it, it wasn't just a one-touch fire in front of Fogel. He like caught up to it and then looked down at the puck and then looked up to make sure Warren Fogel was still there. And then it was kind of a bit of a broken chance. Fogel fumbled it in front because he was a little bit too close to the goalie and nothing came of it. Like if he's a confident Ryan McLeod in that situation, I think he skates onto it, snaps the puck in front, and it's a great-A scoring chance. Instead, he felt like he had to look, make sure it was on his stick, take his time, dust it off, and it was like, okay, by the time you do that, do that, the other team's caught up to you and the chance is gone, right? Yeah, 100%. Uh, Tyler Ramtruck joined us on uh, Sports 1440. So, Ty, when I look into my crystal ball, we know Skinner's playing tomorrow. Then they have five days off. So Skinner's going to play against Carolina. I think he's going to play next Friday against Minnesota. Then there'll be a question. Do they play him against the Devils? Or does he get that 
afternoon off and then play Chicago, or do they play him against the Devils? And then he gets the night off against Chicago. So that's the game where you're going to play your backup. And mm-hmm. it's I think it might be Jack Campbell by that time, to be honest. Um, unless he just completely craps the bed in his two starts tonight and now uh, he's going to start one of the two on the weekend. I think if he's okay, I think that's that's what I envision. What do you see happening? I think Pickard, honestly, could get the start against Minnesota. When you look at Mini, I mean, again, it's there's some time between then and now. Um, for Minnesota to turn a corner. But like if Minnesota is still just sputtering along, I have no problem going Campbell against Carolina, Pickard at home against Minnesota, and then you can do Skinner again on the 10th against New Jersey, Pickard back against the 12th. And I know you probably want to lean on Skinner a little bit here, but been doing that a lot as of late. You don't want to overwork the guy. You have a cluster of games at different points in December. I think you can go Pickard against Minnesota and Chicago. And then maybe after that is when I would sit and go, if Campbell's passed a couple more tests, you could look at bringing him up. But I mean, Pickard wasn't terrible in his appearances so far. Like I thought he was fine that game against Florida. I mean, I know they lost. He still gave up four goals, but there was nothing crazy egregious there. And then he went and stopped 13 or 14 in a relief appearance against Carolina. So the point I made today on Oilers Nation every day is the fact that you have this big five or six day break. And then you have games against Minnesota and Chicago, who, if they're still struggling to score, those are good spots to play your backup. I think the pressure is eased on calling up Campbell, and the pressure is eased on the trade front a little bit right now, just because you can manage Skinner's workload really nicely on that homestand. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see if they gave him uh, two. Uh, that would uh, that would be bold. Be risky. Um, now, yeah. I, I guess so in one way, yes. But if your team defense continues to play the way it is then i think you can get away with it honestly i I think then you possibly could do it for sure because um you know the the risk is do you go two out of the first four right that's where i think their mindset might not be but i agree when you look at Stuart skinner's track record when he gets that fourth consecutive start there seems to be a little bit of a of a dip so uh, that mm-hmm. will be tomorrow, will be his fourth consecutive start. Then he has five days off, so that kind of resets it. Well, two days off, and then they have practice, so that kind of resets it, right? So the fatigue's not a factor as much. But So I'm kind of more curious to see how Skinner, like to me at some point, kind of got to get over the hump there and say, hey, I can have four good games in a row. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, the last few, like he hasn't been horrendous, but the downside is like, I felt like he should have had that third one against the Vegas Golden Knights. I felt like that's a save where like you want your guy to step up, deliver in that moment, and boom, he kept you keep the two goal lead intact and you're fine, especially considering how well they played. Like in that whole game last night, I'm just looking at natural stat trick. They they say Vegas only had five Corsi events from high danger areas or shot attempts, you could call them from high danger areas. Like and that matches up with what I saw in the eye test. Vegas wasn't getting a lot of dangerous looks. No. Um, and then you go back to the Anaheim game and yeah, Skinner only gave up two goals, but again, in the moment, that second goal cannot go in. When you just fought to tie up the game, and then that one kind of, or at least it could have deflated them. So I agree with you. I think, you know, it'd be nice to see Skinner take a step up and go, yeah, give me five or six starts. I'll give you consistent minutes for all of them. At the same time, only his second full season here as an NHL goalie, never mind an NHL starting goalie at that. So I'm, I'm not overly concerned about it, I guess. Yeah, the uh, high danger chances uh, favored Edmonton uh, in that game. Uh, overall, twenty-two uh, to twelve, according to um, uh, Sport Logic, and 
You know the uh, you know there was they didn't give up a whole bunch. I didn't think um, the uh, the third goal there was a screen on. It's kind of an unlucky play. I actually I thought more so that if there was one, it's the Amadeo goal. I know he's open in front, but it wasn't like that was a real heavy move that he had to make at all. So, um, but it was interesting getting Yanmark's description of that goal. And uh, if and I went back and after I watched the replay again. If you watch McDavid wins the faceoff, but where he wins it, it comes back, and so the players because they had a set play, so they see the puck go. And it looks like it's going back, but it actually goes up in the air. And then when he goes to hit it again, it bounces over a stick. And then the Vegas guy comes in and whacks it. And by then, Yanmark and Nugent Hopkins had left. And and if you watch Ekholm's reaction, he had leaned to the left because that's where the puck was. You know, you were anticipating it. And once you lean to the left, you don't have time to recover and go back uh, to the right. Um, it was a really good breakdown by Yanmark. And he goes, hey, you know what? You watch that. He goes, that's like a one in a hundred times that that play is going to happen where it looks like you win the draw and then you don't end up winning the draw and the guy gets it back. Um, so it was interesting. He said it wasn't like they didn't know what they were doing. They both jumped because they thought he had won the draw and they had a set play that they were going to win it back to Ekholm. He rims it around the boards because where Vegas's fence were and Yanmark, that's why he was taken off because he was going to the races on a set play on the ring around. So it was just, it's interesting getting the inside on what happens sometimes in a play. And, you know, you, you have to react. You can't wait too long because that allows Vegas to, uh, uh, t- to react. Um, but obviously you want to be certain that you win the draw. But he's like, man, it, like go watch a replay. It looked like he had won it, but it bounced up. And then when he went to it again, it bounced over a stick. So kind of a weird play. Yeah, that was one of those ones you watch it in person and you're kind of just like squinting your eyes, shaking your head. You're like, what did I What did I just witness? That? Like None of that made sense. Yeah, it was crazy. Ty, thanks, man. Uh, we'll chat with you next Wednesday. Chat with you tomorrow. New episode of the DFO Rundown. Oh, that's Come right. On. That's right. All right. Right here on yeah. our show. Yeah. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Okay, we'll see you tomorrow morning.